Welcome on in, everybody. It is Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. As the next hour, we'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. It was a nice switch up uh, to have the early pay per view. We got it going bright eyed and bushy tailed right into the card. Uh, rolled on in through the uh, the late afternoon as you had it starting at 2 o'clock on the pay-per-view side. Fun card, a lot of different types of submissions, a lot of different types of fights that were going down. But of course, all of the headlines uh, were surrounding the main event. You had Habib Nurmagomedov taking on Justin Gaethje. And a couple things. I went into this card. Uh, I went into this picking Nurmagomedov after picking against him in the last two fights. I told you guys I was off that uh, that train that I was going to go to the area where I'm going to go with Khabib. I think that he'll uh, he'll handle Justin Gaethje, especially the way that he handled Dustin, and not to MMA math that you know just uh, Justin losing to Dustin and all that type of stuff. But uh, you know I think the world of Dustin Poirier and his skill set, and I just felt that a little bit too much was being made of uh, you know what Justin was able to do in this in this fight, and it was honestly one of Nurmaga Madoff's easiest fights. In recent memory, he diced through Justin Gaethje. Now, I don't know if that was just a case of style. I don't know if that was just a case of him having, you know, the influence of taking his father's uh, death and, you know, he was uh, just on a mission. But he really, he was, he was so aggressive in this fight. We saw unbelievable, probably some of the best striking we've seen from Habib. And I think that probably threw Justin Gaethje off. Um, Gagey was still able to land some of those big leg kicks. Maybe that would have been a problem if the fight uh, went a little bit longer. Maybe that had something to do with Habib wanted to take him down uh, like he did in that second round. But, um, you know, it wasn't this domination that we've seen from, uh, you know, from that we probably thought you would have gotten from Justin. I think that's been one of the things that has been impressive with Namagamadoff uh, over this title run that he's gone on really since you know, really ever since he got cracked by my, by Michael Johnson, you know, he, everybody kind of thought that this is always going to be a guy who's very, uh, susceptible to getting beat up, you know, but even if you go back to the ally Quinta fight where kind of toyed around with it in the third round, even though he never really got Al out of there on short notice, um, you know, some people were questioning what the skill set was, if the guy was really legitimately that good, but you know, these last three fights, him taking on guys who are perennial top five guys, nobody doubts the status of Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, and Justin Gaethje in the division. Um, and he was he's gotten better every time the fight's gone on. He got out of Conor out of there in four, he got Dustin out of there in three, and he got just Justin Gaethje out of there in two rounds. Um, and and he just didn't he, you know, outside of those leg kicks. Uh, which did look like they were painful, and I know that that Justin's corner was very um, confident that if they were able to keep doing that, that they were going to take him out. The only thing is, like once the fight ever got to the ground, it was straight domination. You know, he almost ended the first uh, the first round with an arm bar, and you know, it leaps into you know he gets he gets Justin down and and starts going for this triangle choke almost immediately. It was uh, it was so impressive, and. You know, then we get the news that that he uh, he leaves out on top. Uh, that he you could see it was important for him as the as the the interview before the interview started. They were taking off of his off his gloves, which normally isn't. You know, that's not normally something you do. You normally just leave them on and they'll they'll take them off later. But he uh, he wanted to leave his gloves in the center of the octagon. Um, immediately, as soon as he choked out, 
Justin Gaethje, which, by the way, took a little bit. I mean, the referee was like, huh? what? what's going on over there? Is he out? Oh, I guess he's out. Um, as soon as he as soon as he put him out, uh, just starts to, goes to the center and starts bawling. You know, I'm getting the stingy eye. I'm getting all misty eyed because of, you know, Khabib being all emotional about this. I think every fan was because you knew that this fight was going to be a little different for him. He didn't have his father who is so tied to his career, even though he hasn't you know, been there for all of the fights in the corner. He's always been there in his ear, always somebody that he's been able to lean on. And you could just see him overwhelmed by the emotion of what this win meant. And so once you saw that, it I didn't find it very surprising that he was taking the gloves off because there was talk about 30 and 0 and there was some mention of that 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 number and all that type of stuff but you know unless you know unless there is some super fight with George St. Pierre down the line uh and with Tony being in the position that he's in that he has to build himself I don't really know what else there really is for him because he took the best guys in this division he you know chewed them up and spit them out you know, like he really, really had, he didn't have a, a, a long title reign, but his title reign was so impressive with the guys that he beat and the way that he beat them. So what really is else, what else is there to do? Like, do you just wait and, you know, does he care about the Conor McGregor fight making a ton of money? Doesn't seem like he does. Uh, does he need to prove anything again against Dustin Poirier again? Not really. Does he need to fight Justin Gaethje again? Clearly not. Um, you know, does he need to sit around and you know beat Michael Chandler and 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 uh, and and prove something there? No. So it's uh, it, it really does feel like he's done all there is to do there, and you know, going away makes a little bit of sense even with him at the prime of his career, uh, unless there is some super fight down the line. You know, this does seem legit. He said the thing that his mother didn't want him to fight without his father there. Um, you know, it's a very emotional time. I'm not saying that couldn't change at some point, but it doesn't really feel like right now that there needs to be. And this has been a very weird year. You know, we've had DC retire. We've had John Jones kind of technically retire. Uh, you know, Habib is gone. You know, now it seems like. So been a lot of changing of the guard. But this performance, uh, I thought, was among his title reign, I think, has been his best. I thought that, you know, Justin looked very hesitant to strike. He clearly was in a stance where he was trying to avoid the takedown rather than impose his will. Um, and that's odd from Justin. You know, Justin's usually the guy where he's going to, you know, he just walked down Tony Ferguson. He was the boogie, you know, he out boogied the boogeyman. And. You know, usually the guy that's willing to walk through violence the entire time. And this one, you know, I thought we just saw that he was looking to not get taken down and not not get uh not get put away. And even in those, even with all those attempts, uh, really, you know, whenever it got to the ground, was in a bad position right away and was nearly was the first time nearly put away with an armbar, and then obviously in the second time was choked out pretty quickly. Um, you know. And and really, I thought Habib looked really, really good on the stand up too. I thought that he looked confident. He looked like he wasn't he wasn't scared of any shots. Straight shots down the pipe. He uh, you know what you know tried to almost put like a little jumping knee into into Justin. So he was diverse. Um, just the just the 
best we've looked. I think we've seen him look uh, in any title defense. So a fantastic performance for Habib Nurmagomedov. Um, you know, all the best to him. What a career it is. You know, everybody was talking about GOAT status and where he lies and all that type of stuff. Um, I certainly think that he gets a, gets a seat at the table to argue that. Um, I still think, and, and a couple of things that go as way. one people have regarded 155 now as the best division in the sport. I would say for a good, probably a good five years. People have been talking about this as the deepest division, the best division. And so out of all of that, all the rivalries, Connor, Tony, Dustin, um, even Max Holloway trying to come up and have a stint, Justin Gaethje, Cowboy Cerrone, uh, all those names, and he comes out on top as the guy. I think that has to have a huge feather in your cap as far as your uh, your status in the division. I think that his versatility got a lot better as the the, the fights went on. I think that this is clearly a guy. I mean, he's only... 32 years old he still has probably a little bit of cooking that he could do as far as getting better if he wanted to um no losses the no no test issues none of that stuff uh really the only the only really red flag that he has over his career is the is the missing weight that's that's really his uh the 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 lone blemish on habib's record is that he had the uh the Tony Ferguson thing where he missed weight and wasn't able to compete in that one fight um, and then missed weight way back in like 2016. That's really the only crux. Now, there was some controversy this week. I'll save that for later on in the show. I don't really think it's uh, warranted to get into that right now. Um, but yeah, this was, this was great. I will say um, with how easily he beat Justin – it's still, you know, if this is the end of his career, the one thing that is going to be a bummer is that we never got the Tony Ferguson fight. You know, thinking about all the times they tried to make it, it really was a cursed bout. But you think even the, about the pandemic and like the the idea that they were finally going to get it, and then you know we were saying, well, they're not going to do it with no fans there, and then it was going to be in Abu Dhabi, and then it was going to be in Vegas, and then it was going to be on Fight Island, it was going to be all these other places, and you know, it just never came to fruition. And so Tony still went through and made the fight happen. Obviously, Nurmaga Madoff had some something really tragic happen in his family at the same time, too. And the idea that those two never got in an octagon together to fight is a huge bummer, uh, even with Tony losing the way that he did to Gaethje, because, you know, there still is that what-if factor, I think, with Tony and especially the, the 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 dynamics that he brings on the ground, the comfortability that he has being on his back, we're always going to wonder. Um, now, watching Tony lose and watching the way it seems like Namaga Madoff gets better, I still, you know, I think the more time that goes on, people will probably think, yeah, Khabib would, would have gotten the better of him anyway, but maybe not. Who knows? It's just a bummer that we never got to find out uh, what, what, uh, what it holds. So... You know, we didn't get much from Nurmagomedov afterwards. He didn't talk to the media. Dana White did reveal that he uh, he was fighting this fight with a broken foot, which is uh, which is interesting that he uh, actually had the, I guess what the same injury that Connor had when he fought him, and so now he probably gets a little bit of bragging rights there. Uh, some of the reaction that went down. I know uh, Connor had some little uh, 
write-off note to him. He said, good performance will uh, from Khabib. I will carry on. Respect and condolences to your father again also, to you and your family. You're sincerely the McGregors. Uh, Poirier, uh, Dustin Poirier, who was also in there, he tweeted out undisputed. Um, you know, and I'm sure he's now going to be in the in the running for whatever comes of this title picture. Um, Tony Ferguson, let's see, did Tony tweet anything out about this? Uh, nothing from Tony. And then Michael Chandler was uh, obviously Michael Chandler. I'm sure is disappointed because I know that he's one of those guys where he. Uh, came into this thinking that he was going to get a crack at Habib, one of the uh, the things that he came to UFC for. Um, and now he doesn't get a crack at him, it seems, right now. So it's uh, it was a great performance, man. What a career. Uh, uh, yeah, so as far as his GOAT status is concerned, um, you know, I'm a guy, I'm still going to put John number one. I'm not one of these guys that's going to, because the UFC was so Wild West with uh, the PEDs in his era, uh, he did get flagged twice, so you know I can understand people who want to put him down. I do think that uh, John John's greatness and the longevity of his reign and all the people that he's taken out, I do think that that is so impressive, especially at the age that he was at. Uh, for me, it's going to be hard to ever dethrone him, even if you could say he's not as dominant as Nurmaga Madoff was. Um, I think that. I still think that he's still the guy and obviously has a chance to still add on to that legacy if he becomes the heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, GSP, you know, reigning over welterweight the way that he did in his era as well-rounded. I don't, you know, I still think that, uh, I, I think one of the things that's that's that Habib probably is going to have over GSP though is GSP is always going to have the nation of Canada behind him and stuff like that, but you know, one of the things about GSP that I do think was a uh, a fair criticism is that it felt like he found the best paths to go win fights, but they weren't necessarily the most exciting. That's why I was never just the biggest GSP fan. Like, he could take away your best weapons, but, you know, just the imposing of, of will. I just think Nurmaga Madoff uh, has just shown that dom- that next level of dominance that has really uh been birthed from his career um you know for me i think that he has an argument to be above gsp i really really do uh even if even if the title reign wasn't as long i still think that if this is the end of his career seeing the way that he went out compared to the way gsp did and i'm mostly talking about the welterweight reign not his win over bisping even though that was impressive um I st- you know, I I do think there are arguments there. You know, Mighty Mouse, you know, always going to have, a, I think, a seat at the table too. But it is flyweight. I do think that uh, you lose a little bit of steam there because of that division. Um, and then Amanda Nunes, you know, her, you know, her greatness is she's she's you know with everything. You know, obviously being in a in a different gender, she has. No one can touch her on on anybody that she could compete with on the women's side of this thing. Um, reigned over two divisions, beat the you know the the beat every person that anybody considered a goat. She demolished. So I think that definitely she's there too. You know it, it, it's it, it's great. You know this is one of those sports too. I just think that so many guys are so good at so many different things that 
Um, it probably makes a tougher argument, but I would say right now, yeah, Habib is is probably two or three on my list. Uh, John's is going to be number one for me, and I still think that he has room to even grow that legacy a little bit more. Um, but what a career. What a career. If that was the end of it, it was a great performance. We'll get into a little bit more of the card, and obviously there is a big hole now at 155 pounds. Where do they go with the title fight? We'll get to some of that as well. Fighters Fury back after this. Welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury continues here on 790 The Ticket. Uh, let's get into a little bit more of the UFC 254 card. Then I want to talk about uh, what now happens with the lightweight title picture. Um, first, the co-made event, Robert Whitaker versus Jared Kanier. I really, really enjoyed this fight. I thought it was, I thought it was a really, really fun bout. Um, Jared Cannonier, I really wanted him to get this win because first of all, you know, you had the call out with Izzy. So I think that would, I, I always like, you know, when things can, the, the puzzle can fit that cleanly, uh, and you would have been able to get that title fight, but you know, Robert Whitaker just showed himself to continue to be such a complete badass in the sport, his versatility, his striking, his speed, his defense, the unorthodox style that he kind of strikes you at with his footwork with the way he holds his hands all that type of stuff he's just a really really impressive fighter um cannoneer is tough as hell the the move that he's had to come all the way down from heavyweight to be this good at middleweight is very very impressive uh the first the first go of it in the first round cannoneer was really lighting up robert whitaker with these massive leg kicks but whitaker was getting the best of them uh probably up top he was hitting him with the hands uh, big time jab, hit him with a big time right hand that stumbled him up a little bit. I actually gave Cannonier the slight edge with the uh, with the damage that he was doing with the leg kicks. I just thought that he was doing just enough. I did see that a lot of people gave the first round to Robert Whitaker, so I don't have a problem if you did because I know that most people had going into round two, uh, round three. Most people had Whitaker up two zero. Two was uh, was a very clear Whitaker round. His hands were just lightning fast. Uh, Jared Cannonier looked a little bit. Uh, bewildered about what to do, what his counter would be, how he could find himself back into this thing. So most people, I think, probably had it 2-0, Robert Whitaker going in. I still had it 1-1. I, I had it 1-1. Um, and then in the third round, business picked up even more because Robert Whitaker hit him with a head kick that just put just put uh, Jared Cannonier on absolute crazy legs, put him down on the canvas. It looked like it was about to be it. Somehow he's able to to tie up Robert Whitaker and survive, get back onto his feet, hit him with a with a big shot. Whitaker says that you know maybe it oversold a little bit with how bad that he was hurt, but it looked hurt either way. Cannonier, uh, you know, seemed like he was back in the fight with about a ninety seconds left. Uh, they get tied up in the clinch. Whitaker's able to run out the clock and uh, ends up with a unanimous decision, twenty nine twenty eight on all scorecards. So really, really great performance by Robert Whitaker um, to cement himself back at the, the middleweight rankings. To me, there's not really a controversy here, though. You know, some people were wondering, oh, well, do you do Izzy versus Robert Whitaker that quick? Is it, is it too soon to have that rematch? It really doesn't matter. I mean, Robert, you know, first of all, Jared Cannonier was the guy that the champion called out. He called him out and said that if you are impressive, I'm going to give you a title fight. Uh, Robert Whitaker handled him pretty thoroughly now has two wins in the span of we're talking three, four months here, um, against high, highly contested guys. The title fight was a year ago. They probably won't be fighting again until like January. So I think that's plenty of time 
Robert Whitaker is, it, 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 you know, it, it's it's you know what his lone his lone blemish since 2014 is losing to Izzy, um, and Izzy to me is is at this point right now where, um, you know, maybe it doesn't excite him that much because he's he's uh, you know looking to take out all the super fights, but there's not really a unless you're telling me he's going to fight John Jones. You know, we had Chael Sonnen on the show this week and. Um, I asked Chael, you know, what is he more into? Is he more into John Jones or fighting at heavyweight or is he more into style bender? And he said, no, obviously the style bender fight is the fight to make, but it doesn't seem like that's on course right now. So if that is the case, then if, you know, I believe, you know, Izzy said something to the effect that he wants to reign over his division and, and be the guy. Well, you know, this is the guy right now. You know, Robert Whitaker fought Yoel Romero twice. And, and you know, that's with one where it was, uh, it, it, you know, and that, and, and that was, uh, I'm sure, one where he didn't want to probably run it back because of, of how close he contended. And so, the, you know, the argument could be, well, Stylebender put it on him, beat him in two rounds. Yeah, it's fine. But, like, he's got a good enough resume where he should get another crack at it, I think. I don't think it should be that much controversy. Uh, even with Jack Hermanson uh, and and his upcoming fights, like Robert Whitaker beat the guy that the champ called out, beat him pretty soundly. Is a former champion. You have that oceanic rivalry as well. I, I really don't think that this is much of a controversy at all. I feel like Robert Whitaker deserves to get another crack at the title. Uh, heavyweight, we had Alexander Volkov beating Walt Harris, hit him with a nasty uh, front kick to his body. Made at Walt Harris Wilts and Volkov looked really good. Got himself a big, got himself a, a a TKO victory in the second round. Phil Hawes versus Jacob Malkoon. Phil Hawes was uh, uh, shouting out representing Deerfield Beach. Um, so he uh, had a great knockout victory. They were talking about Coon up, you know, a training partner of Robert Whitaker, and nobody can find him fights and all this type of stuff. So you're like, oh, all right, let's see what he's got. And what he had was uh, 18 seconds in the octagon because Phil Hawes just put it on him. Really, really great showing by him. Uh, Lauren Murphy probably cementing herself as a as a as a future title contender. She got a uh, she got himself a rear naked choke win in the second round over Lilia Sharkovia. Um, you know, kind of dominated all facets of this. You know, she looked really, really good. Um, you know, so not time to wrap it up yet for the thirty seven year old. Uh, and Magomed Ankalev beating Ian Kutalaba. Beat him with a nasty, nasty uh, knockout punch and ended all controversy that was from the first one. So, you know, that was uh, that was that with their fight. Um, prelims was really good, too. Tied to Ivasa. Got a big knockout win over Stefan Struve in the first round with one tick left. Tried to do the shoey. There was no beer. That was unfortunate for the Australian. Uh, he was able to do it with the Nuck Boys in the... Uh, in the in the back, but Stefan Struve, the skyscraper, he fell hard and even took a kick in the head afterwards too, which was tough. Uh, but Tai Tuivasa got himself a big time win because he was on a three fight losing streak. So the Shuey man, he is uh, back in the win column. Casey Kenny and Nathaniel Wood was an absolute dynamite show. These guys went back and forth. Great striking, high pace between both of them. Um, it was uh, it was a really really great fight. Ended up getting fight of the night. Um, man, the, I mean, the, you know, and I know that there was a miss on this one, but that theoretically that division, that 135 division is really, really good. Uh, Shavet Raman, uh, rock Rachmanov, uh, from Kazakhstan, 
He uh, submitted Alex Cowboy Oliveira with a with a guillotine choke. Looking great for Kazakhstan. Great week for Kazakhstan. Borat two out and Shavet Ramkamov uh, uh, Rachmanov getting himself uh, a big time victory, and uh, he looked good. And that was you know the big highlight of it. Sam Alvey and Da Eun Jung was uh, was a split, decent fight. Nothing to write home about, but it was a really, really good card. Fun night. Uh, your bonuses were went to Magmen Ankalev. He got a 50K bonus. Khabib got 50K. And then Kenny and Nathaniel Wood was fight of the night. So that was your wrap-up from there. Um, the big thing. All right, so the big fallout of this. I, I mentioned what I think should happen with the middleweight title. I don't even think that's that controversial at all. I feel like that's pretty clear on what should happen with that. 155. Okay, so let's say Nurmagomedov Madoff is actually done and he is going to walk away and there's you know this big opening at 155. What should happen? So we have one fight that's set and that is Conor McGregor taking on Dustin Poirier or it's set in theory. I don't think they've officially officially announced it yet, but those guys are supposed to fight. Justin Gaethje, he loses, uh, but he was the interim champion even if he didn't want to acknowledge it going into this fight. Tony Ferguson is without a dance partner. You throw Michael Chandler into the mix, and of course you have Dan Hangman, but he did just lose to Dustin Poirier. So I think he's a little bit on the outside looking in. Um, so where do we go from here? Okay, I truly feel this. One, everybody, you know, there was a big theme after the broadcast that Justin Gaethje should be right in the mix for the next championship fight. I don't believe that. Um, a couple reasons. One... He got dealt with by Khabib. That was his title fight. You know, so just because you were interim champ going in there and you get beat like that, if you get dealt with, if you have a really good fight and you're showing of being in the, the mix, you know, I, I, I'll get it. Put him right back in the front of the line and you put him there. But he got, he got worked by Nurmagomedov. He got outstruck by him. He got submitted very quickly by him. So I don't think that there's this natural need to put Justin Gaethje right back into the mix for the title fight. That's not to say he has to go to the back of the line. I think he has to go get a win. I don't think that you necessarily have to have him in the championship fight. I do think that Dustin Poirier has to be there. Dustin Poirier has the most recent top five win. If we're looking at it, Justin lost, Tony lost. Connor has a win, but it's over Cowboy at 170. Ergo... I think that Dustin Poirier, who's also the former light, who also himself is a former lightweight champion, uh, and honestly had a better performance against Nurmagomedov than Justin did. You know, had Khabib at least in a in a guillotine, nearly put him away. To me, he bar none has to be in the title fight. Now, what's going to make people nutty is okay. Should the title fight be Connor versus Dustin? I don't think it's crazy to say that it is. Um, you know, Dustin beat Justin Gaethje. I don't think that there's this need to have to pit them up against each other to prove that Dustin deserves the interim championship. He beat him. Um, you could do it again. I wouldn't have a huge problem with it, but I don't think that there's this need for Justin to, to get right to the front of the line. Does he have to fight Tony Ferguson again? Eh, I don't know. I mean, like they did, he, he beat him pretty soundly too. So if I were Justin Gaethje, I wouldn't necessarily want that matchup either. Um, you know, so Tony is left, it feels like a little bit without a dance partner here. Then you have the Michael Chandler factor into all this. He's the new guy. I don't necessarily think he should be in the, in the, in the running for it. So 
I really think that that interim title fight has to go two ways. I think it needs to go Connor versus, I think it has to go Dustin Poirier for sure deserves to be in there if we're talking about a interim title fight for 155. It needs to either be against Justin or it needs to be against Connor. And I really feel like with Justin, with Justin losing the way that he did, I'm fine with Connor getting the shot. Him and Dustin are both coming off of wins, uh, even with with Connors being at uh, at 170 pounds because it was you know they didn't want to lose weight against Cowboy. Um, there's been talk of these guys, you know. There was I, I'm glad that it got put put to bed this week. This idea that they should fight at 170 that made no sense to me, um, you know. And so it's not going to be perfect because I think the rest of the guys are going to be left out in the cold. Honestly, the way I think sh- I-, I think you could probably work this is I think you should probably do. I know there was talk this week when we had Chael on the show. He said that he talked to Tony, and Tony said that they want him to fight Chandler. Um, and I would like to see Chandler in the mix for this type of thing. And I th- I would like to see Chandler either fight Justin or Chandler fight Tony. One of those two is going to be left out in the cold and going to be pissed, obviously. But... Dustin Poirier definitely deserves it. And if Dustin beats Conor McGregor, I think that's a worthy fight to be lightweight champion. And if Conor wins and he's the champ again, obviously the UFC is going to like that again. Um, I know people may not like that because it feels like you're giving preferential treatment to Conor McGregor and he's on the outs with a lot of hardcore fans right now. People, people, you know, are, are on the hate Conor tour and all that type of stuff. But to me, you know, you're, you, you're in this division right now that is very talented, but left with a bit of a void because there is no Habib fight. And, you know, to me, I think that the fight has to be Dustin Poirier. He beat Dan Hooker. That's his last win. It was a top five quality opponent. He solidified himself as the guy. Khabib was even saying, even though he said in the, in the, in the weeks that he choked out Connor and Dustin and he's not interested in the fight, fine, I get that. But he did also acknowledge in the lead up to this that Dustin is the guy. And so, you know, for me, he for sure has to be there. And I feel like him versus Connor is a worthy interim title fight. It's already made. You can kick off the year with it. I think it's a, I think it's a good matchup to do it. Um, and then, you know, whomever you want to put Michael Chandler with there, I, I, I'm fine with either one of them. I think that if Michael is able to go beat Justin and, or go beat Tony, I think those will probably both will, will definitely cement him as a top five guy. And it's fresh either way. I think I think that uh, you know it's a good mix for either one of those guys to be in there. So that's what I would do with that uh, that entire landscape of the 155 division. Dustin has to be in there, bar none. This idea that Justin Gaethje was the interim champion, so he deserves an automatic bid, that doesn't jive with me. He uh, he got dealt with, and it's not to say that I think he needs to go all the way back. I just think he needs to get a win. I think I think you lose the way he did to Habib, just like Dustin did. Dustin had to go get a win. Even Connor, Connor got dealt the way he did by Habib. He had to go get a win. So for me, I think that Justin Gaethje has to go get a win, and then he's back. Uh, for Michael Chandler, he's brand new. He's the new kid on the block. Um, you know, maybe if Habib was still around, there'd still be an argument for him because he's a new challenge. He's he's in the division and all that. But you know, for me, he needs to go get a win. Tony. Tony needs to go get a win. And if anything, Tony had the you know the longest win streak out of anybody. If anybody probably needs to win the least, it's probably Tony. But 
Um, you know, the way his career's gone, nothing's gotten easy for him. So he's going to probably have to go get a win to, to, to solidify himself. Uh, it, look, there's going to be a lot of fun options. It sucks that Khabib is gone. It sucks that they're at that part of the division where um, they got to scramble and figure this all out. But I do think that the one good thing is there's a lot of fun matchups. There's a lot of talented guys. And I do think that whoever does come out on top is going to be a fun champion. There's going to be still a lot of fun matchups, a lot of great trash talk, all that type of stuff. So I still think 155 is going to be in a good place. But I think it's silly to start off a new era without having guys start, you know, guys come in there, fight for the title off wins. Um, if you got dealt with by Khabib, you got, but look, there's no shame in it. Basically, everybody in the division that's not Tony Ferguson got, got dealt with by the guy. Um, but just because you were interim champ, I don't think you get this Willy Wonka ticket to the top. You had your chance. Like, that is what the interim title is for. The interim title is to solidify your status as I got a shot at the title or you're the guy if the guy can't go on anymore. But if you lose to the guy, you know, once once you are interim champion and you fight the champion, it doesn't mean anything. You're not anything. You know, it's it, it, it and and Justin did the be, a, a great job of acknowledging that that entire time. You know, he didn't want the fake belt. He didn't want the interim belt. So, I don't think he gets this uh this treatment of, oh, well he gets to automatically be number one contender. No, nah, he lost. He lost, he lost quick, and and now he's going to be good enough to probably go cement himself back in contender status. We'll take a quick break. We're back after this. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is Fudders Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Uh, I wanted to give you this. This was uh, last night on Habib's Instagram. Um, a note to his father was really, uh, was really a nice thing. It was a picture of him and his father. It looks like they're in the Russian mountains. Probably fresh off of wrestling a bear in this picture. Um, he says, when Allah is with you, nobody can break you. Nobody. Thanks, Father, for everything. You teach me all my life. May Allah grant you the highest paradise. So it was a beautiful thing from Habib uh, posting for his dad. He didn't speak to the media collectively yesterday. He only spoke to John Anik. Um, what you got to understand why dude was super emotional after the win. Um, the other thing was, it was interesting, They had I saw Errol Hawani interviewed George St. Pierre afterwards, and GSP had said that he uh, wasn't going to, you know, call out Khabib for anything. Like, you know, he's happy that he can go off unblemished and uh, undefeated with that stuff. So really cool moment. Um, very, very, very emotional. So get into a little bit of boxing. Next week, you got Gervonta Davis. He is going to be taking on Leo Santa Cruz. Gervonta Davis is a title holder in the lightweight division. He's got the WBA regular championship, even though Tiafima Lopez has, I guess it was the super belt. Uh, it's a, you know, the, the, these belts, they don't, you know, I thought Floyd Mayweather had a point this week where he goes, you have all these belts around here and nobody, and all these sanctioned bodies taking a piece from guys and nobody knows who the hell is champion. Um, look right now, I acknowledge Tiafima Lopez as the undisputed lightweight champion. Uh, Devin Haney, uh, got his, you know, reinstated from injury. Gervonta's got, a, uh, a regular title when it comes to to lightweight. But right now, the man is Teofimo Lopez. And those guys got to come get it from him. Now, this matchup coming up with this uh, this week with Leo Santa Cruz. First of all, they've done a great job promoting this fight. I think that they've had Javante out and about everywhere. And they're trying to make him the next pay-per-view star and all that type of stuff. Uh, attaching him to Mayweather will help. The, the thing that's interesting about it, you know, Javante's had some... 
some legal stuff uh, in the past, you know, with uh, with his with his you know, lady and whatnot, which haven't been the best headlines. But he's not flamboyantly boisterous like Mayweather is. Like, I do think part of the appeal with Mayweather becoming such a big draw is everybody was rooting against him, and you know they've done a really. I guess they've done a really good job in this regard with Javante, where they've really made him a pretty sympathetic character that you'd want to root for. All the things that he had to go through in his youth, um, you know, growing up hard in Baltimore, all that type of stuff. You know, it, it's a real underdog story. And so it's not like they're building him up in this uh, carbon copy of Mayweather. Like, similar to what they did with Adrian Broner, where Adrian Broner was kind of just like the most hated guy in boxing. He tried to follow Mayweather to a T. Um, and Gervonta, that hasn't been the case. And I would also say that Gervonta almost has a chance to be a, a, a big star in that he'll, you know, he might be, be able to bring that element to you're not going to tune in to watch him lose you're going to tune in to see how great and how exciting he is when he wins because everybody you know the thing is everybody refers to him as the 135 pound tyson that he's got this vicious knockout power that he could just he can he could just bring it he can floor you all that type of stuff so you know in, in one regard, you attach him to Mayweather and you think, oh, well, they're going to try the, the model to make him the next Mayweather, but he doesn't really have that personality. You know, it's just a lot more reserved. But what he may lack in personality or may lack in making people hate him and, and all that type of stuff and play it up for the cameras, I think he can make for, up for in the ring. So, you know, this matchup against Leo Santa Cruz, it, look, I love Leo Santa Cruz. That dude's an absolute badass. It does feel like he is, uh, you know, some have compared this to Juan Manuel Marquez coming up to fight Mayweather and all that type of stuff, you know, before Juan Manuel got on the good good, before he fought Manny Pacquiao for that time where he floor-lined him. Um, but Leo can throw, look, Leo can throw a lot of punches. He's probably a little bit uh, past his better days as a lot of guys that uh, that weight are um, where it could, it could chew him up a little bit quicker. Um you know, can he really put anything on Gervonta that will withhold Gervonta Davis from wanting to get him up against the ropes and really, really punish him? I don't think so. I mean, look, Gervonta Davis, so everybody wants to criticize the guy, you know, the weight issues, the the poor performance that he had on the Mayweather-McGregor card. The guy's still an absolute hurricane of horror. Like, he can he can bring the pain um, and I, I feel like this is going to be set up for him too. I don't think they're putting him in a position to be dangerous. They are beating, they are putting him up against a credible opponent in that Leo Santa Cruz has all the accolades there are to have for, for his, for his size. Um, I just don't think that, I, I don't know what his path to victory is here against Javante. And I look, that's going to be great because hope, but hopefully the thing, the way this goes is Javante goes here and then either he fights Teofemo uh, TFM Lopez or Devin Haney does. Uh, Devin Haney should be an interesting one because Devin Haney is just a week later. So it is good that all these guys are kind of on the same path. Then, of course, you got George Cambosis, who's also fighting next week. He's taking on Lee Selby. Um, and that actually is a mandatory for the IBF title. So there's a lot that's going to be brewing at 135 pounds with the lightweight division of where these guys will stand. And and who is going to come out as the man? I mean, I would say that George is going to be in the spot where 
you know, he's got the promoter, he's got the great relationship with Top Rank, and therefore I feel like that's probably got the easiest easiest path to hook up with Teofimo Lopez. But Lopez is an interesting guy in that I could see him wanting to just jump into the biggest fights. And, you know, are we going to be in the spot where, you know, is Devin Haney going to be withheld from wanting to do that? I don't know. I mean, the other thing is both of these guys also have pieces of a title that he has, you know, whether he be franchise champion or super champion. So some of this stuff does have to get settled. And, you know, maybe that ends with them having to do a cross pay-per-view or something like that. But I feel like this is a division that has such potential in so many great matchups that they could do if they just all go out and fight. There was the news this week that uh, Lomachenko um, did end up having shoulder surgery. Uh, he did get a, he did get um, permission from the commission to get a, uh, to get an injection, but apparently it got, uh, it, it got aggravated. You know, does that take anything away from the, the victory? Tiffany? I don't think so. You know, that's tough. It, it's tough. It sucks that Lomachenko was in that spot. Um, you know, but the thing about it is, you know, they they say, you know, it got aggravated in the second round, and then you go back and you look at the fight, and you're like, well, I mean, his best rounds were in the later part of the fight, you know? So it's not like he got completely gunshot. I do think that he probably held on a little bit too late to pull the trigger. So that's that was disappointing to see. It's, it, it, you know, not not blaming Lomachenko for pulling the excuse machine or anything like that, but it does uh, it does suck that you've seen... TFMOS Lopez, everybody, everybody's kind of tried to take a piece of it. You know, you've had Devin Haney calling the Astros champion because you go to his titles on ESPN and there's Astros, oh, regular champion, super champion, and now you have this come out. So I think that sucks because the guy really should have had his moment in the sun and all of this week to bask in it and more because he took on a huge challenge at his age, 15 fights in, 23 years old, taking a guy like Lomachenko, got all the belts. He has the image of having all the belts. And the thing is, you know, people want to hear, you want to say, oh, regular champion and franchise champion. Look, the image that everybody has in their mind right now, ingrained in their mind right now, is Teofimo Lopez with all of the belts on his shoulder. You know, they don't want to hear about Devin Haney's this champion or Javante. And it's not to take anything away from those guys. These guys are tremendous fighters with a lot in their future. They're going to do big things. But it doesn't take from the fact of, look, on the biggest platform, he fought a guy that everybody knew. He was the man after that night. He hoisted all the gold. And so he's the man right now. That's just that. Uh, I wanted to get one more thing in, too, from uh, from this UFC thing. Uh, the, you know, it was such a great moment of all this stuff that went on uh, yesterday with Habib's win. Masterful performance. Emotional. All that type of stuff. Uh, there was a little bit of controversy. This was interesting. I didn't even catch this the night over because the weigh-ins were at 1 a.m. Eastern time. So I woke up to do my show on Friday morning. I was just like, oh, cool. Habib made weight. Justin made weight. Boom. Let's move on. And I didn't notice that there was like all this controversy in the middle of the day that was surrounding Nurmagomedov's weigh-in. And you had even like uh, Mike Dolce, who's a, a nutritionist. He's really known for like making weight, uh, Ronda Rousey and all that type of stuff. Like he's been tied to those types of fighters, the Dolce diet. Uh, and there was like breakdowns people were doing of like Habib's weigh-in where it looked like, and he looked a little bit uh, parched on the scale. Like, he looked rough on the scale. And as we mentioned earlier, like, I think the only blemish the guy really has on his career are those uh, those occasions where he's missed weight. Um, but if you do watch the video, 
it is interesting. Like, uh, they, um, the, 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 the scale, I guess, balances like on a medical scale, everybody's standing on a doctor scale before, you know how like it tips up and then you balance and try and get it balanced. So Habib steps on the scale and the thing does tip up. Uh, but the guy kind of clears it out. I mean, it just says, okay, one, two, five, you're good. Like he almost didn't even look at it or, you know, it, it did seem a little bit suspicious if you looked at it. Now, this is the way I look at it. I don't think Justin Gaethje didn't want that fight to happen. I don't think uh, any fans didn't want that fight to happen with all the stakes that were on it, with his legacy that was on it. Um, there'll be sticklers that say, look, rules is rules and, and all that type of stuff. I don't want to ruin that. I think that uh, Nurmaga Madoff, it, you know, it, it, was it a, a huge discrepancy in weight? Was it a pound? All this type of stuff. You know, sometimes we get silly with this stuff where, you know, if it's not a title fight, then they, they get a pound discrepancy, all this type of stuff. If it is, they got to be right on the mark. I, you know, look, you watch back in the video. It happens so quick, I don't even think anybody notices. But there are people who have a keen sense of this, who have been in those in those uh, arenas of cutting weight, weigh-ins, all that type of stuff, who notice it. Um, you know, whatever. I mean, if you think that takes away, if, if it takes away from all the greatness that you saw in that Atian, I guess have added. It doesn't do much for me. Um, still was uh, was overly pleased with what we saw yesterday from Namaga Madoff and that performance that he put forth. So that's our show for this week, everybody. Uh, you miss any of it, download the podcast. Radio.com is the app. You can also get it on Apple Podcasts, really wherever podcasts are available. Look up Fighters Fury. We're also available on YouTube. Please go there, subscribe. You will get uh, clips from Fighters Fury, our great fight interviews. We had Chael Sonnen on this week, and we touched on a lot of things that weren't just this weekend's card. We talked about John Jones, Jorge Masvidal versus Colby Covington, Tony Ferguson, a lot of great things. So check out our interview with Chael Sonnen. I recommend that. And all the fight interviews that we have up there are really tremendous. Uh, we did Andre Ward recently. Uh, we got a lot more coming, too. We're supposed to be talking to Devin Haney in the near future before his fight down here against Yoriokus Gamboa. So if you guys are fight fans, you like fight interviews, uh, we have uh, some really good ones up there that I, I really recommend. And we got a lot more coming as well. Thanks to everybody for tuning in this week. Have a great rest of your Sunday. And we will talk to you guys next week. See ya. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.